0: the title of this podcast is blood on my shirt. I'm sure everyone's curious on what this podcast is going to be about. And, um, it's actually about tenacity and, um, blood on my shirt is from a story that goes back to my first day on the job as a bartender in New York city, probably sometime around 1997. And I had moved to New York several weeks earlier. Um, young, full of aspirations and ideas, um, thinking I was going to conquer the world, the usual, and then realized really quickly I had to pay bills. And so as with any kind of situation where, um, you're young and you're, you sort of have all these ideas of what, how it'll go and it doesn't go the way you think. Uh, I ended up doing the classic New York thing, which is go either find a job as a server, uh, you know, anything that kind of is in food beverage just to, to survive at that point. So, um, I invested in getting a bartending license, which was kind of interesting. I heard uh, rumors around the fact that if you didn't have a license, you weren't going to get hired. Part of the reason I do with insurance with a restaurant that, you know, if you were licensed, then, you know, you're able to remove patrons that are, that are unruly or whatever, legally and all kinds of stuff. I am I have no idea if it was even true or not, but nonetheless, I thought it wouldn't be a bad idea to go learn how to really sling some drinks. So I did It's a two week course basically taught you how to make a really good scotch and soda and add the right amount of vermouth to a martini and, and whatnot. And it was fun. I get out brand new shiny bartending license card and I hit the streets walking around and you know, this podcast could be named humility, uh, as well as tenacity, because I'll tell you, getting on the streets of New York asking for a bartending job from door to door is a very, very humbling experience. Um, people are not particularly nice about it. Um, they either ignore you or they're rude. Uh, you know, it's the usual rite of passage, essentially. You go there, you got to be able to be prepared to, to take the punches. Well, I was down on on 6th Avenue and 12th Street, and I had, I had canvassed New York City looking for something, and there was no opportunity. No one wants a brand-new bartender who's never done it before. Um, you know, the last thing they need is me to screw up behind a bar uh, that they have got a lot of, you know, thirsty patrons at. And, um, I walked into the small little, little bistro. Um, and, uh, the owner was there. He looked frazzled. <laughs> so I didn't know if I was going to get, you know, railed like the rest of the ones that I talked to, or if it was going to be a, you know, an opportunity. And it turned out to be an opportunity. It was a, a gentleman named Bernard, a French fellow. I think he was originally from Paris many, many years ago, moved to New York many years back. And, uh, Asked him just like I had the last like thirty restaurants if he had any need for a bartender and, I, and he said yes, um, you know when could I start? I said I could start today immediately. I'm I'm looking for work as soon as I could possibly get it. He said, look, um, come back Thursday and uh, you can take it. You take an evening shift and I was all excited and went home. You know Thursday didn't come fast enough. Thursday rolled around. I think I got there super early. I got there like at two thirty in the afternoon, which was ridiculous because it was a night shift, but. I got there and it was a, it was a restaurant, but turned into sort of like this lounge in the evenings. And that was somewhat common back in the late nineties. You had these loungy restaurant things where they'd set up a DJ sort of coming back now, I guess. But, um, and there were two little ladies having lunch there, um, in the restaurant. It was empty. Otherwise no one was at the bar. So Bernard's like, well, you're early. So you might as well just sort of start prepping the bar. He walked me around, showed me where things were. And, um, the ladies were having lunch. They were just about to get served their food and in walks this lunk of a guy that, uh, clearly was just already blitzed out of his gourd, drunk as hell and sat down and started ordering, um, seven and seven one on top of the other. And of course I'm excited because it's my first customer. So I'm like, yeah, sure, man, whatever you want. And so I'm dishing the drinks and he's getting more and more belligerent. He's getting louder. You gotta remember, this is the era before there's really any cell phone, So he wasn't like consumed in his device. This guy was like talking to me. He was like talking to people walking by in the street because there was a bit of a patio to the restaurant bar. And, you know, he's getting more and more obnoxious and Bernard was in the back and he wasn't around. So th- it's funny because it's first day on the job. I'm thrilled to have my first customer. The last thing in the world I want to do is tell him to stop drinking, right? Because, I mean, this is, this is what I came here for. And progressively, and the l- little ladies are looking over and they're kind of like, this is just not what we came here for. You know, I, it looked like they had been there going to that restaurant for the last 20 years and that was their ritual. And this like obnoxious dudes, there, making noise and really being, you know, ruining their, their entire experience at the time. Well, Bernard walks in and I kind of give him a glance looking at him, trying to gauge his perspective on what he thinks I should do. And he's picked up on it. And, um, I, I walk over, I go, you know, he's, this guy's, you know, pretty, he's had a lot. Right. And berns like, yeah, yeah. And I cut him off, cut him off. I'm like, oh, great. Okay. I got, I guess I got to do what this, this whole bartending license thing told me to do here. So, um, he asked for another drink and I go, Hey, listen, you know, how about you call it, you know, cool it down a little bit. Um, you know, it's, it's, we're going to be shifting here anyway. Maybe you can, you know, head out for a little bit, come back later on. And the guy's like, Hey, I'm ordering drinks here. You know, if you're not serving me, what's what kind of place is this? And started getting belligerent. And Bernard figured out I was, you know, this brand new. I didn't know what to do with the guy. I didn't want to kick him, kick a patron out of the place. So he he gets up, and Bernard's literally half the size of this guy, and he picks him up off the bar stool and starts to shove him out of the restaurant. And the guy's pretty drunk, and he grabs one of these little votive glass candle holders at the end of the bar and flings it and smashes it against the wall right above the little ladies that are eating eating lunch, and all the glass goes in their food and all over them. And the guy runs off down the street. And I'm like, what the hell did I get myself into? Like, this is supposed to be like a restaurant. And it's my first day on the job. I had no idea what the hell I was gonna do here. And I was like, I made a mistake. This is this is crazy. So I sweep up all the glass. I, I get another, um, you know, the, I get fresh plates for the ladies and they're done. They're like, look, we'll just, we'll just we're will just we good. And I'm like, oh crap, this is just a cluster. Well, anyway, settled down. The hostess shows up for the evening for the the you know the actual restaurant to, to start serving dinner. The, one of the waiters shows up as well. And I'm sitting there uh, at the bar at the end, cutting up limes to fill the trays up. And Bernard is standing by the front doors of the restaurant, just looking out at people, um, you know, doing the classic New York thing, trying to urge them to come in and eat, eat dinner. And I happen to look back into the restaurant and as I do so, I hear a smash and bang toward the front of the restaurant where the doors are, where Bernard was. And I turn over and there's Bernard slumped over on the ground on the floor. <laughs> and I, and it was a smash. So it wasn't like he just collapsed. He, he hit the door. And, um, Miriam, who was the hostess, she's like, Oh my God, someone just punched Bernard. And so I jump over the bar and the, one of the main waiters this guy named Jawad runs right behind me on the way out grabs the gigantic butcher knife i was using to cut the limes and runs out right after me and it's the dude that we pushed out of the, or the Bernard pushed out of the restaurant you know like 3 hours earlier and he came in just flying punched knocked Bernard out and so i catch up to the guy and end up in a little little bare-fisted brawl with him in the middle of 6th Avenue and if those of you, if those of you from New York or have been to New York know about 6th Avenue you've got cars flying both directions on that road And I'm literally in this like fist fight with this dude and on the way out, or I guess, as he had planned to hit Bernard, he put his keys between his knuckles. And so as he, as I caught up to him, he turned and got me perfectly in the, in the side of the face and got like nice chunk of of flesh out of my cheek. And I didn't know that took the hit and ended up continuing on with the guy in the middle of the street. And I think he got a view of Jawad behind me with the gigantic butcher knife coming toward him. And he got up and bolted and started screaming for the police himself. And anyway, he, he left. I started to walk back and Duad's like, Oh man, are you all right? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. And he's like, and I looked down I was covered in blood. My shirt was completely covered in blood. Bear in mind guys, like I said, this is my first day on the job as a bartender in New York city. Um, and so there's Bernard he's up and he has got some ice, uh, on his, on his cheek. Mary, just standing there with him. And, um, He's like, uh, did you, did you find out who the guy was? I'm like, no, <laughs> I was in the middle of fighting him in the middle of the street. I don't know who he is. And, uh, he's like, all right, well, he's like, if, uh, if you want to go home, you know, I understand. I said, no, I'm good. I'm good. I came here to do the job. I'll do the job. So, Hey, I bartended the rest of the night till like 3:30 in the morning that night with blood on my shirt. <laughs> Sounds pretty disgusting to me. I'm not sure I'd want to be served by a bartender with blood on my shirt these days, but from a, from a tenacity standpoint, and from my commitment to the job, I went and I saw Bernard, I think two years ago. He now lives in Naples, Florida. And he told the story in perfect detail like I just did to you guys today, because it impacted him so much that this is, a, I didn't know, I met this guy for a matter of hours, if, if that. And I went to his defense and I came back and I did my job as I was asked to do and that stuck with him all those years about tenacity and the ability to stick and commit and, and get to the commitment that you came there for, and uh, it was an amazing experience because he remembered that so vividly. And my career path ever since. I mean, he was he'd watched me through the through the years, through the media exposure I'd had, and he was honestly so proud to actually see me again and and know that uh, you know I'd done well. You know, because that was my early earliest days of trying to go out there and get a job and learn how to live. And, um, I'll tell you that experience was really fascinating. I've told the story countless times because it's one of those funny stories. It's great dinner table conversation, but more importantly, it's one of those situations that in, in today's world, you're seeing people just call it quits quick. I mean, they're just like, look, any level of discomfort and it's over. They move along, they, they call it in. They're like, look, this is just not for me. It it just, the, the feeling's not right. It's like, There's no grit. There's no ability to stick with something and force your way through it. Now, look, that was an extreme scenario. Again, you know, in retrospect, thinking about it from a hygienic (laughs) standpoint, probably not a good idea, but from a a commitment standpoint and a tenacity standpoint, I proved something to myself. It wasn't really for anyone else out there. And, you know, back to the title of this podcast, I'm I'm by definition an introverted character. So... I went against my nature to jump over the bar and chase this guy down. I went against my nature to continue to plow through an evening where I wasn't feeling particularly good after a little while, realizing I was actually hit by the guy. I went against my nature to sort of feel awkward that I probably had blood on my shirt and I was probably freaking out all the patrons. I didn't even think about it. Um, Yes, I was fueled by adrenaline, but I made a call. I made a decision at that point that no, I don't want to disappoint the brand new boss that finally gave me a chance after all that time. And, after all the time of me looking for a job, I mean, and so that, you know, desire to not disappoint coupled with the fact that this guy's giving me a chance, I'm not going to let him down. And this is an opportunity for me to prove myself paid off hugely. And, you know, he never forgot me. He never forgot what I did for him that, that afternoon, even though I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, and it was a fantastic experience. And, it also was such a immediate plunge into the deep end of things, and you know I touched on this in the last podcast, which had to do with everything's gonna be a challenge. Everything's gonna sort of wear you thin and grade on you to the where you you're not entirely sure you're doing the right thing, um, or you might think you're doing the perfect thing. You, you think you might have it all worked out. You got it formulaically planned, and then it fails. This was a very similar thing. I was simply blindly blind in a blind state, plowing through sort of trying to figure my way out. Um, and it worked, it worked. I, I was able to meet people I needed to meet. I met the photographer that I ended up being an assistant for at that bar. That was the whole reason I moved to New York to begin with was to, to pursue a photography career. So it was the phenomenal, it was a phenomenal platform and location for where I could actually meet people. The other thing that was fantastic about it was that bartending actually is what gave me my ability to communicate. It, it allowed me to think on my feet communicate with people on the fly, um, just understand how to be personable. I grew up in a place where there was no people around. There was no experience to, to sort of mingle and hone my skills as far as the personality that I knew I, knew I needed to have. And so that era of jumping in headfirst with a massive, huge you know, sort of experience, New York City no less... Really helped kind of fuel and accelerate my my persona that I need to I, I needed for for pursuing everything I wanted to do for, from that point on, and I think that that's a critical thing to do. I tell my kids to do that. I'm like, look, you know, do the things that are are humbling and um, and challenging. And I, t- I told the experience. I I'm, I started from the point of when I went to go find a job all the way through the fight, all the way through my my work with Bernard going forward for like the next two years. Because it started with a humiliating, humiliating experience trying to get the job, and then went into a hair-raising experience of being challenged in a way that I thought I've made mistake. I made a mistake coming here. This is terrible. To making the call that no, I I got the opportunity. Let me just stick with it. To becoming one of the best experiences of my life. I mean, it it sounds silly, and you, you hear this a lot. People are like, "Look, it's some of the most bizarre experiences that I've taken on that have." sculpted me and given me the tools that I needed for other experiences later in life. Some of my experiences learning how to communicate with people in a, in a much more serious business experience, business capacity than say bartending came from that era. Um, it allowed me to sit back and, and look at someone else's perspective. Um, you know, it's the working class therapist, right? That's the classic case with a bartender. You're there to hear people's problems and be a listener and, feed, and give them feedback about what they think is actually a challenge. So nothing takes more tenacity than being a bartender in New York. Um, brutal hours and, and you know, extremely um, exhausting pace. And, uh, you know, it, it hones you very, very well for things in the future. And I, I'm very grateful for that period. So, you know, one of the things that I, I think I wanted to get at with this whole story was that Take, draw upon experiences that you probably thought were frivolous and temporary and maybe not necessarily the most elegant or um, sophisticated and figure out how those are things that actually gave you those tools for the things that you were able to accomplish that were much more complicated and sophisticated. Because I'll tell you, it's those things that I draw back on and, and I find myself even today using as, as methods to sort of get that grit and, and understand, Hey, if I could have done, if I did that, I can do this. This is, this is nothing compared to some of the challenges I've had in my past that were pursuits that had nothing to do with big money or, uh, you know, building a company or selling a company. These were just like survival mechanisms and, and, and strategies. And so I'm eternally grateful for that period and, um, definitely, uh, urge you guys to think about some of those timeframes, many more stories to come like those stay tuned you